Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the In The Clutch podcast. My name is Drew Clutch and I'm here alongside my co-host Jeremy Wilson. So we're just covering kind of, we've going through episodes 4 and 5 here and we're continuing to work through the NBA offseason. And yes, we are desperate for basketball to come back. Because mind you, I will admit, watching Summer League, which will be the topic of this episode, certainly isn't as good as watching the real superstars play in regular season and playoff basketball. But nevertheless, the Summer League needs to be covered, and it is a pretty important event for the NBA. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on Summer League so far, Jer. I think a lot of people overreacted slightly to Chet's debut. Um, and I know he had 23 points or whatever it was, six blocks, which tied a Summer League record or broke Summer League record, something like that. Um, and there's no doubt that he's talented, but it's going to take him – at least a year, if not two, to be ready to be a really impactful NBA player. Because I know we both saw the clips, and I don't know how many people listening also saw the clips. Um, some guy I had never heard of before um, playing, I think, for That's the... That's like all of Summer League, except five guys. <laughs> right. And the guy, I think, was playing for the Grizzlies Summer League team. His name was Kenny Lofton Jr. And he was... A little bit shorter, but um, a bigger guy. And he bullied Chet at, at least three times during the game. Right. And, like, if Kenny Lofton can do that to him, forget Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, uh, who do that to everybody. But imagine what Jonas Valanciunas can do to him and even what Precious Achua can do to him. Like, Yeah, exactly. I think that's the bigger thing. It's, it's not even... Like, you're, you're totally right. It's not what Embiid and Jokic can do, but it's then what Precious Achua can do to him. And, like, if he gets swapped on to Jaron Jackson Jr., like, players like that, right? Where it's right. not even, like, the most punishing, bruising big guy the team has. It's just, like, a big guy who's been in the NBA a few years. Right, and I, I would imagine a player like Thaddeus Young, even, for the Raptors, or, like, there are going to be below-average bigs that can just post up on Chet and bully him and get easy buckets because he's just too small to guard that. And that's the same issue that the Raptors have with Chris Boucher, except Chris Boucher isn't expected to be a franchise cornerstone. Right. And ultimately the thing for me is I don't place that much value in summer league because like you perfectly explained, the players aren't playing the elite players of the NBA. So to me, it doesn't really give an indicator of how good a player is or how NBA ready they are or anything like that. It's just a chance for them to improve. But ultimately, we talk about this every year, and it's the same, which is you'll watch whether you talk about Chet and the fact that he's going to get beat up by just more NBA-ready players and NBA active players like Precious Chua and Jaron Jackson and stuff like that. But then we talk about, too, how young guards always have a million turnovers in summer league and they can't protect the basketball. And In their first season of the NBA, they have 4,000 turnovers a game, kind of like Jason Tatum in the NBA Finals. And, <laughs> like, they go through all that, right? But let's face it, for players, especially these players are 18, 19, 20 years old, that's just the only way to learn is you have to run out there and be guarded by Drew Holiday for your first game as a first-year guard and realize that he'll literally rip the ball out of your hands every single possession if you don't play properly. Right, and it's that learning curve, especially in summer league, is great for Paolo Benchero and Chet Holmgren and these top draft picks and when they get to play against other top draft picks and maybe not like NBA starters, but 
the Raptors are running some players that will get some minutes for them. So like these are some of these players are at least low level NBA players, which is better than the college teams you're playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like that learning curve is good for them. The issue, the issue becomes like you, there are a lot of players that are seeking jobs in summer league, right? They're competing to be on rosters and they can't just run out there and play free and not care how many turnovers they have. Which I think that's a really interesting point that you bring forward. And it's really true as well. But I think that's actually, I just want to clarify, were you saying that as a positive for summer league? I was saying that as a, uh, just that players have very different, like the difference between Paolo and Chet and say, I, I don't have a direct example. I know I saw a guy earlier, but I can't remember his name. But the seventh guy on a summer league roster right. is desperately competing to have an NBA job. And they just have very different experiences in summer league. But I think that's good for the rookie franchise cornerstone players in summer league. Mm. Because it would be really, I think summer league would be worthless to watch Bancaro and Chet and everybody else run up and down and have million turnovers and some flashy plays or watch the same thing like LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman and just to watch them go and Anthony Edwards, watch them go up and down. I think that would be less beneficial for summer league versus playing against, like you said, like a 23 year old guy who's been on the bubble of the league for a whole bunch of years and is trying to do everything right to get a job. It's good to have those people mixed into summer league because it kind of creates, I know we were talking about episodes uh, episode five at the play-in tournament, it creates that sense of urgency to summer league, so it makes it more of a serious event, right? Right, and it definitely is like far higher quality. I'm not saying that it's higher quality than all college basketball because I'd imagine a game like a Duke North Carolina game is gonna probably have as much talent as a summer league NBA game will. Right. Um, but like if Again, these top prospects are going out there, and instead of being guarded by this random 6'1 kid from a mediocre university that nobody's ever heard of and nobody ever will hear of again, they're being guarded by players like Delano Banton, who are not great NBA defenders, but aren't absolute liabilities as an NBA defender and is 6'7. Or what about a player like um, Juan Toscano Anderson? I didn't even realize he was in summer league. Well, so. I don't, I don't know if he is, but like a player of that thing, where he just went all the way to the NBA finals, but didn't actually really play at all, and now like you know what I mean? It's like an NBA right. ready player who's practiced with NBA teams for a lot of years, but still is in summer league just to develop. Right. So I just looked up best players that were in summer league, um, and I think currently in summer league are players like, well, players like Cam Thomas. Are in right. summer league or Jonathan Kaminga is in summer league. Um, although this might have be showing from last year as well because I am pretty sure that Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green aren't in summer yeah, league. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, anyway, go ahead. Something I want to piggyback off of is something that I saw on ESPN by Richard Jefferson, Jefferson, which is that these players that are in their second and third year or fourth year. If you had a really bad season to like take Jalen Suggs, who was hurt most of the year and stuff like that, these players need to be in summer league because you see summer league now is such like a, 
is basically only people fighting for a job or the youngest of rookie players. But so many of these players just need to play more. Right. So like and... take a player like Jalen Suggs, like or Cam Red like take Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish, I don't know if he is in summer league, but he should be. Right. And I don't think they would put him in summer league because he's quote unquote an NBA veteran at this point. Like he's been in the league three right. years or whatever it right. has been. But yeah, like the Warriors have, I just looked it up to make sure they have put Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody in summer league because they didn't get as many minutes as they should have gotten this year. Exactly. So send them to summer league where they can start for the summer league team and play against decent competition and play against some top prospects. And they'll be a little bit more NBA ready. Right. And I see, but even like a player like Cam Reddish is the only example that's coming into my head. So I'll stick to that. (laughs) But a player like that, who he didn't really play any minutes this year. So right. you're right that he's an NBA vet now because an NBA vet's like anybody who's been in the league for like four or three, four years. But he, like, if I was Cam Reddish, and I know, like, I understand the teams of liabilities and health conditions and all that kind of stuff, and they're worried about players getting hurt, blah, blah, blah. But if you were the Knicks, wouldn't you want to put Cam Reddish out there? Right. To be like, because that would build his confidence because he'd be able to go play big minutes, drop 26 points two steals, eight assists, all that kind of stuff, right? So wouldn't you want him to give him that extra motivation of, oh, yeah, this is what I'm actually doing all this practice for? Right, and I think you should put any NBA player who's coming off a down year, and they're like, put Clay Thompson in summer league and uh, let him light up the world for a little bit. That's not actually my opinion. I think that'd be fun, though. It would be fun. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, yeah, you know, Steph wants to work on this new thing. So he's taking left-handed threes now. So we're going to put him in summer league. <laughs> yeah, Steph's got, Steph's got a new move. So uh, best of luck guarding Steph, all you randoms that nobody's heard of. Yeah. You know, we're going to put Giannis out there. He wants to work on his three-point shooting, so he's only going to shoot threes and play defense. <laughs> so, he, just, he, was really, he said he's really feeling it, really wanted to. Wanted to play with his brothers, so we're putting them all out there. You come into your first summer league game after being a D- – a uh, mediocre D3 player and hoping to make a G League team and you're being guarded by Giannis. Can you imagine? You wonder. You'd wonder what that's even like. <laughs> because I've done it even on a smaller scale, right? I've had the opportunity to play. When I was in high school, I got to play against some college basketball players at Durham College, which even then, right, like that's a small Canadian college, so by no means incredible basketball players, but still leaps and bounds ahead of where I was even as I, where I was as a high school player, but where I am now, like, right. like the college players and Canadian university players are still really good. And to, I had the opportunity to play against them when I was like 16 and it was insane. Like I couldn't even get to the basket or I know we always talk about our high school coach where he'd force Wild. you to go left and he'd make you go left. And as you were going left, he'd just be able to get right in front of you and strip the ball. <laughs> yeah, it was, it took, me, I, I don't know how many games of one-on-one I played against him before I could actually play him in one-on-one because I was used to his defense. But, man, he was – and I think he played college basketball just like in Canada or whatever, I like similar, right? I for LU. I know what I'm pretty sure he went to Lakehead, like my LU, not your, uh-huh. not your weird southern Ontario. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, he like obviously he's a quality – for us like and not nba sorry like college level yeah, no, player in the nba um but he yeah he was wild to play against at first and yeah I, I can't imagine being guarded by even the least player on like the Raptors summer league roster much less Giannis. 
but let alone yeah being the least player on the rep being the least player on a summer league team like the the last guy in the rotation who plays five minutes at the end of a summer league game i wonder if they understand how truly difficult it is to guard Steph Curry or be guarded by Drew Holiday or guard Giannis or be guarded by Giannis or anything like that. Like, right. I wonder if they've had the opportunity to mess around with players like that, if they, similar to us, can't even conceptualize it. Right. And like you mentioned, like guards have to come into the league and have a million turnovers and learn what that's like. Right. And I, cause yeah, the, the absolute stark difference between being guarded by, you know, decent college defenders in D1, even as a top prospect. And then you come in your first game and Kawhi's guarding you and you can't move. Yeah. It's a big difference for sure. Or Draymond's the help defender and strips all in like intercepts four out of every five of your passes because <laughs> your eyes are showing where you're about to throw the ball. Right, because you actually looked before you passed and that's not yeah. allowed in the NBA. Exactly. So I think summer league is a valuable tool. But is at the same time, it's not a tool that particularly interests me because I think whether Summer League happens or not, we're still going to see Chet Holmgren and Bancaro. We saw it with players like Kay Cunningham and Jalen Suggs and blah, blah, blah. We're going to see them come in and get killed defensively because Giannis is going to back them down in the post and dunk on them. Or Steph Curry, they're not going to understand that you really have to guard Steph Curry, even if he's drinking a cup of water in the stands. <laughs> and they're not going to understand that you can't just dribble the ball in front of Drew Holiday and look right for your pass because Drew Holiday will steal it or Draymond Green will pick off your pass. Or when you're driving in on Rudy Gobert, you have to float the ball really high up because he's going to block it. Right. So I think Summer League is like a valuable tool just to get these young players more time on the court. But I also don't think like when you see Chet in Summer League at six blocks or whatever, or on the flip side of it, Chet got back down into the post, into the stanchion, into like the parking lot, and he's still being back down to this day. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's a huge indicator on that end either. Because, excuse me, because we know that these players are going to have these events when they get against real NBA superstars. Right. And I, I think there's very little that you can actually take from. Summer league, like you're, like you're saying, um, the chat thing to me is a little bit different because it points out how important the physical flaw of him just being too skinny is. Right. Because like it's not like, oh, he made a bad pass or was playing a little bit out of control or had some bad shot selection. Like that's not something that you can work on like skill wise it's something that's like you need to put on 40 pounds so that any half decent nba big can't just throw you into the stanchion anytime they want but i feel like even that we can expect to happen because you see it like obviously like players like chris boucher and on the different end of the skill level kevin durant like those players also look remarkable chris boucher and kevin durant aren't on different ends of the skill level sorry my bad i just yeah i don't know where i got that but um (laughs) You see it with players like that where they also came in on opposite ends or like on the same end of the size spectrum. (laughs) But then you see now that they put on just enough to no longer get completely obliterated defensively. Right. I think that's kind of the same to me, although obviously it's more out of his control where it's easier to tell a young guard to throw less turnovers and harder to tell somebody to add 40 pounds of muscle. But it's still something that I imagine we'll see happen over his first four or five years in the league. Yeah, and I I would hope that by the time he gets to, like Kevin Durant's a little bit different because Kevin Durant's a forward, not a center. And, yeah, but Chet could be a four. 
Right, but Chet's going to be expected at whatever he is, 7-3 or however big he is to guard NBA centers because the, the Thunder don't have a center on their roster that they're putting him alongside. Right. So, yeah, like, yeah, Kevin Durant... They have every pick between the next five years. <laughs> so, like, Kevin Durant's expected to guard wings. And wings aren't going to try to back him down that much. Right. But, like, Chet Holmgren is needs to add weight more than Kevin Durant needs to add weight. Correct. And it is like, I will acknowledge it's a situation specific to him with that regard in terms of obviously, yes, you don't normally see centers of right. that length and size compared to like, yeah, a power forward or a stretch three, like kind of three, four right. mix like Kevin Durant is right. Right. But all of the things that I see in summer league, especially with the talent level that these players are at, both like in terms of the talent and skills they possess and then the talent level of it's really hard to be six foot nine or seven feet. Like most people aren't that size. So they're also, they have a freak athleticism to them as well. Right. So those are all things that I'm expecting to, I'm expecting will be corrected based on their talent level. And then also based on just the anomaly that they are. Right. Yeah. I understand that. And you would, know that like these players have worked a ton to get to where they're at and most of them not all of them necessarily but the vast majority I would anticipate have really really good work ethics and any flaws whether it be in their game or in their body they're going to work hard at fixing them so they can be as good as they can be at an NBA level ultimately I think the interesting thing is that you have to build on summer league and summer league's great for a lot of players to get time on the court and more time on the court. But where you really get a w- good idea is when you start looking at the rookie of the year race kind of into February. And that's when you're looking at, okay, like so-and-so was hurt. This person is having an okay year, but not what we thought they were. And then you see somebody come out, you see a couple of guys come out of like the darkness, right? Is like, wow, that player's picked 18th overall. And you start to see, like, if we redrafted this draft, the guy who's picked 18th would go fifth and all that kind of stuff. So right. Summer League is a really good building block, but I don't – whenever I see all the highlights and all the big articles and stuff like that, I just try to not read too much into it and just kind of relax. Right, and there's only, like, one – like, even the Summer League highlights, these are lower-level players, so the highlights aren't even as good. Like, there's only one Summer League highlight that I can even – remember seeing prior to this season right which that's fair and honestly to build on that i don't remember much of any summer league before this it's just kind of something that comes and goes yeah so that's all we've got for episode six of the in the clutch podcast we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time